Yo, 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 what it is? It's your boy Sticky Icky Jam back in the building, man. Yo, it's B-Man the Clean, man. It's your boy BD Tev. You are listening to the Institute Podcast, a direct extension of the Woodson Institutes for Leadership, Education, Equity, and Race Relations in America. Our approach to the Woodson Institute work is framed within a quintuple mission. One, demonstrate the count of narrative of males of color in public education. Two, honor diverse experiences. Three, motivate community stakeholders to promote positive change. Four, dismantle negative stereotypes. Five, train emergent leaders. Each is focused first on our campus, then onward toward our envisions, and then upward across the public school system landscape, both in and beyond Fayette County Public Schools. Today we have three special guests. We have Ms. Robinson, Mr. Tevis, and Mr. Francis. We have a great show for you today. We'll be back in 10. to take a moment and let each one of our special guests tell us a little bit about themselves, starting off with Mrs. Robinson. Hey, what's up, y'all? Uh, my name is Brianna Robinson, and I'm currently a graduate student at Kentucky State University, and I'm pursuing my master's degree in public administration. Mr. Tevis? What's cracking? It's Elijah Tevis. I'm a former graduate student at Kentucky State University. I have my master's in public admin and my bachelor's in journalism. Mr. Francis. Yo, yo, yo. Um, I'm a graduate student at Kentucky State University, getting my master's in public administration, graduated last night, uh, spring 19, my bachelor's in journalism. That sounds nice. All that sounds a little bit nice. So today, what we're going to start off with, we're going to start off talking about the Verizon learning, uh, the learning count. So can you guys let us know what that is? Okay. Um, basically, the Verizon Innovative Learning Program that we host at Kentucky State University is a program geared towards educating minority males in STEM education and STEM development. We realize that there's like, it's a gap in that type of field, you know, as far as like minority engagement in STEM. So basically, the Verizon Innovative Learning Program is a bridge program to help bridge that gap and create that interest in STEM learning through young boys of color. And what is STEM? STEM would be science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and things related. Okay, and how long have you three been connected to the program? Um, this is actually my first year participating. I started in the summer, and this is my first fall with the program. It's about it's been about three or four years for me, and uh, I've watched a lot of guys grow up in the in the program, and most of them come from this school. Can I hear that? Yeah, it's cool. All right. Two and a half years going on three. Okay. And so I take it that you all enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. I love it, man. And so what are some aspects that the program gives? Like classes? Does it give classes? Yes. Yes. So currently we're offering three classes. 
our um, students are taking a 3D uh, printing class. They're taking an AR, VR class, and they're also taking an entrepreneurship class. Okay. Um, so I was in it three years ago, maybe four. Oh, you're um, showing your age. <laughs> <laughs> what, getting up at yeah, yeah. Back when I was in, uh, like, eighth grade. And so eighth going into ninth. Um, and that's when we went to San Francisco. And so has you said how long have you been in three or four years? So has it changed in those years that you've been a part of it? Uh, I would like to say it's gotten better. I wouldn't say it's changed so much. We still follow a lot of the same, right? A lot of the same uh, structures, and you know it's still for minority males, and that's that, that's really the biggest focus of it is the being able to teach minority males and having them surrounded by people that look like them and putting them on college campuses and showing them what their life could look like if they went to a HBCU. Yeah, and that's important because um, I guess PWIs for it, like when I talk to college students and I talk to some college students who go to PWIs mm -hmm. and they always talk about how PWIs are always funded, better funded, and I guess that makes it the right place for them. And I guess just putting <coughs> young black people on HBCU campuses, it, expo it exposes them to what it could be. Mm -hmm. um, that's very true. PWIs are often better funded, and Kentucky State is no exception to that rule. We're underfunded in more ways than Severely. one. Severely. And uh, a lot of that has to do with powers that are beyond our control. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, if, if everybody gave us the money that we were supposed to get from the state or from... right. Federal funds, you know, we we we'd be fine, and we're fine now. But uh, it wouldn't hurt to get to get what we deserve. Yeah, right. that's definitely true. H HBCUs are like definitely underfunded, and I think that we all kind of bond with this common like HBCU struggle. Like, right. when you get to campus, you are definitely going to be humbled, but it's a part of the experience. You know, like this is your time. Like college is probably going to be one of some of the best years of your life. You're going to meet some of your best friends, make some of the best connections that you are possibly going to make. Like it's all a growing experience and HBCUs are so special because those institutions were founded for people like us. When we weren't allowed to learn, we weren't allowed to even get an education or even know how to read, right. you know, like Kentucky state university was founded in 1886. You know, we, we just celebrated 133 years. Like, yeah. That is a milestone, and for an institution like that to still be around, still standing, like still graduating classes of black people who are going on to be successful, yeah. that's special. You have the rest of your life to be, you know, in the real world and in corporate America, you know, you know, interacting with other people, but college is a special time right. in your life. So, you know, if you prefer to go to a PWI, that's fine. If you prefer to go to a HBCU, that's fine. But I'm definitely going to encourage my kids to have the same experience that I did and go to a HBCU. I totally agree. Uh, can you all give us, like, a little bit of your experience going to K-State? Like, um, your favorite things, your least favorite things? I can tell you, when I first got to campus, it was like, it was like culture shock. Because I'm from here. You know, I grew right. up in the same in the same community y'all live in. So, getting there and living in the dorms with people that's coming from Detroit and coming from Chicago and coming from Atlanta, California, whatever the case may be, they're not 
they're not the same as us. You know what I'm saying? Kentucky is its own special little world to grow up in. So when you get out and you see what everybody else is like, it'll change you. That was back when when I first got to campus. It's back when Keith, Chief Keith started popping. I don't know if y'all if y'all ever oh heard of him. Yeah, but <laughs> it was like it was like wow, they really wilding down here. So uh, it changed my life for the better too. Because you know what I'm saying these are at the same time. They coming from different worlds. They still students, and I learn. I learned just as much as them as they probably did from me. Just sitting and having conversations with those people, and meeting some of the best friends you'll ever have. Yeah, um, definitely was a culture shock for me. Well, not necessarily a culture shock. It was just a different experience for me because Frankfurt is such a small town, and I'm from Chicago, so I'm used to being around a lot of different types of people, yeah. a lot of different personalities. And when I first got to K State in 2014, it was like, okay, this is different. Like. I don't know what this little country town is. Like, it's nothing here. There's no stores, no restaurants. It was a really big adjustment adjustment for me. But I got used to it, and I eventually began to love it. Like, when I moved in my first semester, I was in a co-ed dorm. So everybody, you know, we didn't have a choice. We were all freshmen. Right. All we had to do was, like, you know, chill, get to know each other. So it was a really good experience for me, and to be exposed to different types of people. Like Elijah said, like, people coming from Detroit, Louisville, Lexington, you know, Indianapolis, like you really get like a feel for like different people's backgrounds and how different people were raised and how you all can like, you know, coexist together and really, you know, help each other out. I think that's the beautiful thing about going to college is making those friends and stuff who are different from you and your background. If y'all don't mind me interjecting, we have somebody who has actually been to both a PWI and a HBCU. He actually transferred from one to the other. What was what was the biggest difference between the two you think? <clears throat> I transfer here from uh, Indiana State. So the biggest difference, Indiana State, you probably had to get up hour and a half before class to make it there on time. K-State, you can get up there three minutes before and uh, be, be at class on time. So I think the campus size uh, was a shock for me. Um, funny story, I brought a bike to K-State when I first got here. I'm from Louisville. i never been to K-State's campus, not once. Yeah. And so when I got here, I thought it was going to be a lot bigger than I expected. Right. And I literally probably could, you know, lay down on my back and stretch out and be almost in all parts of the campus. <laughs> nah, but, uh, <clears throat> at the PW, I was in a class maybe 120, 130. So it wasn't no one-on-one. Uh, right. You might get a chance to raise your hand if you get called on. Uh, at K-State, the connections with you and your professors is a lot stronger to me. Um I was a lot more successful at K-State than I was at the PWI I went to. Mm. And so you said you're from Chicago mm-hmm. and you're from Louisville. Yes, sir. From Lexington. Mm-hmm. So why'd you all pick K-State? Initially, I chose K-State because I had a scholarship. I had a full ride presidential scholarship. So wow. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly where I'm going. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Kentucky. I didn't even know it was black people here. I'm like, that's where I'm going. It's free. Yeah. Oh. Um, I chose K-State because I went on a field trip with my high school. Shout out to Taste Creek. Uh, on the field, on the road trip, I met a guy named Julian Jeter. And uh, he told me the ratio of girls to boys was seven to one on campus. <laughs> After that, I was sold. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's one, that's a, that's a good reason. I can't hide. <laughs> My reason ain't that extreme. Uh, I transferred here because of football reasons, and obviously uh, that didn't go so well the couple of years I was uh, a part of the football team. Okay. And um, so do you, how long has the program, the um, 
Minority Mail Maker program been up? Like, when was it created? Do you all know? Um, Initially, or how long have we been hosting it at K-State? Initially, it started in 2012. Mm-hmm. And when did, when did you guys bring it to the university? Uh, I want to say it was t- probably the third or fourth year after that. So t- probably like 2014 or 15. That's when it got to Kentucky State. Okay. Okay. And so there's it's at other colleges? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's, um, I know it's at North Carolina A&T, Central State does it. There's, there's multiple schools. Yeah, and I believe Jackson State as well participates mm-hmm. in it. And do yeah. you all, have you, do you all ever collaborate, get, get together? Like, is there like a meeting? Yeah, we went to a conference in Phoenix, Arizona last year where they gave us the curriculum, and that was, that was my first time going to a conference about it. Um. It was it was it was nice. We had a bunch of school. It was it must have been thousands of people there, and we all stayed at the same hotel. And uh, it was it was a good time. It was a good time. So, what led up to you guys being involved in the Verizon camp? Um, as a graduate assistant, which is what they do now, they're grad students. When I first got into grad school, I met a man named Derek Gilmore, and he gave me my first graduate assistantship. And it was one of the one of the programs we worked in in the in the office sponsor programs. And he, um, it was just something that he gave he gave us to run. You know, he doesn't really he doesn't really um, hover over us with this particular project. He lets us kind of do our own thing, and that was just something that he wanted to give us experience with. Yeah, and it really sets you up to have like a leadership role and to have experience like planning out, you know meetings for the children, um, setting up classrooms, developing <coughs> lesson plans. It's a really, like, awesome experience. I always wanted to do more is how I got involved with the Verizon program. When I found out that I could be involved in helping minority students, I came running. Shout out to, uh, you say you met a man named Derek Gilmore. Shout out yeah. to his wife, Miss Gilmore. She substitutes her almost all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. He, he told me that. He told me that. Y'all better be treating her right up here, yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We do. Miss G. Uh, how often do the students meet for the Verizon? Um, in the summertime, the program is three weeks, so they'll come Monday through Friday, and then they have breaks on the weekends and probably maybe like two field trips during that time. And also during the fall and the spring semesters, we have it once a month on a Saturday. And so, um, like I said, I was in it previously. And so we went to San Francisco. Are there any other? You said they go on two trips mm-hmm. in the summer. So what are those do you all know yet, or um, what are some trips that they went to last year? I'll tell you one thing. We haven't been back to San Francisco, and I'm I'm salty. I missed that trip. Uh, yeah, yeah, I missed that one, too. <laughs> we might go to Dave and fun. Buster's or a swimming pool or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do no San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so, previous, last year, you all went on a trip. Where to? Oh, last summer, yeah, we went to the swimming pool, the aquatic center, and we also went to Dave and Buster's in Cincinnati. In the Cincinnati Zoo. Where, mm-hmm. Did we go anywhere else that day? I think that's it. No, that was that yeah, was it. Uh, back on the bus. <laughs> so oh, you guys didn't You guys stay. went to the Shed Aquarium the, um, the year before, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We did. We did that. That was fun. What's that the Shed Aquarium? What is it? It's in, that's the Newport one, ain't it? The Newport. Yeah, it's in Newport, Kentucky. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really big aquarium. It just got a bunch of different, a host of different animals. It was a good time. So did you guys stay in Cincinnati or you guys came back? We came back that day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and what is what are the grade levels that the program goes like six to twelve? Uh, we focus on sixth through eighth grade. Okay. And 
Uh, why not try to involve more high schoolers? Um, it's a great question. We find that high schoolers are usually a little bit more busy with their time, you know, as far as, like, extracurricular activities and, you know, uh, having a social life. When you, you're starting to become, being at the, pro, pro, the program is for boys, you're starting to become more of a man once you're already in high school. And we just kind of want to instill it earlier right. in younger kids mm-hmm. so they'll have it when they get to that age. And when me and Marcus went to the Verizon camp, we got, at the end of the camp, we got tablets. Did the students still get that now? Absolutely. I ain't get no tablet. <laughs> Was you there on the last day? Right, you might have listened. You might have missed today. Yeah, he, 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 he didn't go at all. That's crazy. I, did go. I went like my seventh grade into my eighth grade year, like that summer. I went all the time. But you like, ain't go on the last day. I didn't go to the San Francisco trip. That's where we got it. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, is. Do you guys get the community involved with the program? Um, yeah. Like Sometimes when we leaders. have like our closing ceremony, we'll have different different guests come and speak. Or yeah, of course their parents will be there to see what they've been working on and what the project outcome looks like. And that's that's usually pretty big. You know, we have food set up. A lot of times during the spring, it'll be outside. It just be like a good day. You know, like a cookout almost. Is there a similar program for college students at K State? I think K-State itself is a similar program. It's like a mm-hmm. big program for minority males and women, minority males and females. Um, when you get there, you it's hard. It's harder to explain the benefits of an HBCU. You kind of have to see it for yourself. Right. I, w- I would have never believed it if somebody told me. Hmm. Brianna, you want to tell them about your grant you won? Well, I mean, you just put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so recently, um, our office, we partook in um, – applying for this mini grant through the NSF. So if you don't know, the NSF is the National Science Foundation, and they fund, I want to say, billions of dollars of grants every year for the United States. So this was our first time, like, applying for something like this. Like, a mini grant is like a micro grant. Like, usually, like, the grants and stuff that we bring in for the university, they're, like, thousands, sometimes even millions of dollars. So this mini grant was um, for award of $1,600. So what we all had to do, we had to come up with an original idea for um, just something that would be able to be funded with that small amount of money. And, you know, it had to, of course, coincide with one of the NSF's uh, initiatives and also be STEM-related. So my idea was to have a one-day STEM conference for young girls of color because I noticed, like, how much we focus on young guys of color, which is nothing wrong with that. But I'm like, why isn't it something for young ladies for something, you know, something like that? So I wanted to do a one-day conference with a panel of successful women of color to speak to the young girls, and I also wanted to focus on high school because that's something that we are not currently doing with Verizon at the moment. So I wanted to focus on ninth through 12th grade. So I would have a panel discussion for the girls, um, a luncheon, and also breakout sessions for them to learn about different things that they can do in STEM. Like STEM is not just, you know, being a scientist or being – an engineer, like, it's so many different subgroups in that. And black women especially, like, we need to be represented in that field. And we need to be a part of the conversation. So that was basically what my um, mini-grant was about. And I just was blessed with the opportunity to get funded. That's amazing. So yeah. with the grant, you that means you are going to Yeah, go. so how, how it'll work, um, 
the NSF, I'll be in direct contact with them. I'm still waiting to get my contract back. Right. Um, I'll be in direct contact with them, and they will release the funds um, in an account. And then that way I will have a budget, like, as far as things that I want to do with the money that's awarded. So, you know, money to pay, like, the speaker to provide food, you know, to provide the um, maybe, like, you know, T-shirts or something. Right. You know, so it's it really helps. So you're going to do this, are you going to do it at K-State? Yes, I am. I'm going to host it on K-State's campus, and my projected date is going to be for spring of next year, so spring 2020. That's pretty amazing. So um, and you said it's going to be directed to young black girls of Mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be learning basically what the minority male maker is teaching the males. Yeah, basically, it's, it's basically like Verizon in a day. Right. You know, like okay. a, in a nutshell is Verizon in a day, but it's just for young girls. And I want to have a panel of women like that are successful in their jobs, like pharmacists, um, engineers, mathematicians, um, physicians, like, you know, just different representations of what they could possibly be. The whole point of my conference is to plant the, the seed for STEM involvement. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be born like, you know. A lot of people aren't good at science. I was never that kid that was good at science. Like, I had no involvement in science at all, you know. But I feel like there's a need, and I definitely want to be a part of feeling that. Yeah. And you said there are other jobs other than engineering, science, that goes with STEM. I thought that's all STEM was. Yeah. But can you inform me on what the other... Up until recently, I, I thought the same thing, you know, like... Being involved in Verizon, like, you just learn so much. Like, right. you really, you really learn a lot. Um, like I said, you could be, like, a pharmacist. Like, anything that is related to science, like, mm-hmm. that whole aspect, technology, engineering, or mathematics. Like, what are some um, jobs that y'all think are a part of STEM that a lot of people don't know about? Um, there's a ton of them. Know, uh, a lot of it goes into higher ed and being a professor for whatever subject you might like, or mm-hmm. um, just be uh, as far as math, you can be an accountant or uh, what's it called? The, uh, just uh, there's so many. You can be a budget you, analyst, right? Um, okay. And so, how would if a student wanted to be a part of the minority male maker program, how would they go about applying themselves or? getting into it um, do you guys accept applications or their online process yeah we try to we try to distribute that to all the schools in 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 the area whatever area we're working from but right. a lot of times there's the um the coordinators don't respond thankfully we have the marcus hobson who's one of the people that that are diligent in yeah. pushing it to their students and making sure that they do know that they have access to programs like this because a lot of people that aren't in the program are just not in it because they don't know about it right so um I guess um, just following promotions, that's the best way to get involved. Um, and teachers, how does how does becoming a an educator within the program come about? Like, if I was a K-State student, how would I become, like, a mentor in the program? Do you have to make – do you we have were, to do an application? Yeah, we recruit for the most part. We um, – we send out a, a a mass email to the students and they and and notify them what we're looking for. We try to find a lot of uh, computer science majors and STEM majors for the most part, mm-hmm. and then we we go from there. Once they turn in their applications, we kind of filter through see who would be the best fit for the group of kids that we're bringing on, and um, that's that's how we go about it. Okay, and would you um, would you consider this like or would you 
do this as an everyday thing if you had the choice? Like, would you have this as a job if you had the choice? Um, it kind of is my job. I mean, it's it's part yeah. of it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it, it really it. is a part of our, during like the summer, our job. During the summer, it's an everyday thing. But during the school year, it's just the meetings are once a month. But at the same time, we're still coordinating the the, um, yeah. the schedule and then coming okay. up with the curriculum and finding transportation for the students. All of that stuff is every day. The, the meetings are the thing that's not every day. Mm-hmm. And so what goes into making or coming up with a meeting? What goes into that? Um... A lot of us just getting people on the same page, getting all the students on the same page as their their teacher who's coordinating it for their particular school, getting the buses, and yeah, everything to know where they're going and what time they have to be there, what time they have to pick the kids up, what time they have to drop the kids off, and what time the parents are supposed to pick the kids up. And then with the instructors, it's about getting them to teach what we want them to teach and how we want them to teach it. With the instructors, we're using college professors, so a lot of times they're giving lectures in these classes as if they're sitting in front of a bunch of college students. That's yeah. not the case. They have to adjust their their um, their teaching strategy, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. to fit, you know, yeah. 11 to 14-year-old kids. Right. These aren't grown men and women sitting in your classroom today. Right. They're, you know, young boys. So They got to keep them engaged. That's really the hardest part is getting all of those people on the same page. And it seems like you all have the support of the professors at K-State. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. For the most part. Um, so they are they are in with the program. Yes, sir. And they teach the students. Do you, so where where do you guys come in? You make the you do the meetings. Do you guys teach as well? Uh, sometimes. If needed, if needed, we do. Okay. But for the most part, we're mostly like mentors and stuff, like overseeing right. the program. You know, following in as needed. Like say, you know, like they need additional help in one classroom. Okay. One of us is on it. Yeah. Um, is there are there any other specific jobs like do you have a marketing team do you have a um the marketing for the most part goes through verizon Mm -hmm. oh itself the verizon foundation they're they're in charge of um as far as like marketing and there's a i don't know if you ever heard of the the i don't know if you ever saw the commercial with like they had like lebron james and drew Brees, and it was just telling them we need more doctors we need more budget analysts we need more scientists this that and the third we don't need another lebron james the world has enough of those it's just telling kids that, like, you don't have to be, well, black kids specifically, it's just telling them that you don't have to be a rapper or a ball player to be successful and take care of your family. That's really the the biggest push of the program. Okay. And when I was in it, we worked a lot with the 3D printer. Do you guys still do that? Mm-hmm. We do. We do. That's a class. Yeah. Is it fun? It's a, it was fun when I did it. Yeah, it's all mm-hmm. right. Yeah, they made Groot last summer. Groot? Oh, the tree? Yeah, the tree. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's cool. We made cars and keychains mm-hmm. when we did it. Um, uh, what have you all learned out of the program? Because a lot of our students, they get something out of the program, but what have you all learned? Um, I definitely get a joy out of doing the program. It's something, you know, it's kind of like, a breath of fresh air, like, from our, like, regular, like, office duties and stuff. Like, we get to engage and interact with the kids, like, once a month. And I think that it's a really good learning experience. It definitely teaches you to be aware of yourself and how you carry yourself as an adult and also as a mentor. You know, like, sometimes you might influence somebody and you might not even know that they're watching you. So it's important to be on your P's and Q's because you are influencing the youth, and I think that that definitely makes us hold ourselves a little bit more accountable about the things that we do and how we say things and also how we interact with each other and treat each other with respect because in turn we're teaching you guys the same thing i've learned that kids are getting smarter 
as the world goes on, like things that I didn't know at y'all's age or at their age, and even things that I was not supposed to know at y'all's age or at their age, uh, they pretty much have a good grasp on it. So when you have certain conversations with them and they say something, it's like, what do you know about that? Like you should. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the funniest part. That's the biggest. I've learned about as much from them as they probably learned from me because the kids are really smart. That's pretty cool. Well, as you know, the world is changing. The generations are changing. So the best part um, really that I get from this program is being able to learn from the students because mm-hmm. you also want to engage with them and figure out what it is that they want to do in life. Right. It may not be STEM. But at least this program helps them get a full understanding of what it is that they can do with it. Right. So that's my main thing, engaging. Okay. Uh, So that's all the time we have today, guys. Uh, Thank you all for coming out. Definitely. Thank you. Appreciate y'all for having us. I want to thank Marcus for leading this interview. Uh, Just come back and listen to another Western Institute podcast, which might be coming soon. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.